We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning, I'm Catherine Zox, and I am your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women, voiceamericawomen.com. Joining me this morning, Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office, which I do every week. How are you this morning? She's my co-host. How are you, Lauren? I don't... Can't hear you, Lauren. Catherine, are we connected? Yes. Catherine, sorry about that. Is that would you turn me off? I, I yeah, <laughs> I was helping Sierra get herself organized this morning because we're having another you know torrential three to six inches of rain, and you know what that means. I mean, Austin. yes, the nanny doesn't show up because it's raining. It's, and well, it's not that she doesn't show up. It's you know it's never she's supposed to be here you know twenty minutes ago and she's not. So she's she's on her way. We don't care. Good morning, Sierra. How are you, honey? Glad to have you on the show. You can always tell when she grows up. She started doing radio when she was 18 one, months. Exactly. Yeah, which is one. cool. Yeah, let her talk, <laughs> let her cry. I love it. Uh, but I have to say to you, I want to share this because I don't know if you'll be want me to do it or not. But I told Ruben, our board op, I said, Ruben, why don't we connect uh, Lauren to the IM because he and I are always talking through our IM during the show. Uh-huh. And he said, fine, just get me her IM. I don't know what you call it, like, signature, whatever right, it is. Right, right, right. You don't have one. I used to, and I don't have it. I let it go. Years ago, I let it go. You know, it was so invasive for my work. Because so I just, I stopped. I said, you know, this is craziness. But, you know, you're the second person in a month that said you should have one. Yeah, you got to get with the, you definitely I have to get with the program. You is that what do. you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> get that IM. Otherwise, we can't connect. Uh, yeah, because I, I was surprised. I thought Lauren doesn't have an IM. I I, you know what? I had one from 1988 until 2002, and then I said, you know, I don't need this anymore. So uh-huh. I was way ahead of the curve, and maybe who knows. Yeah, then you dropped out. Now you're back. Well, I just celebrated Lauren my, as you know, 60th birthday. I know. I'm this so proud of you. We're even talking about it. I can't stop talking about it. I had a big party in Provincetown, which I invited you to, and you couldn't come. But it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Provincetown is this really diverse community. It's a lot of heterosexuals, a lot of gay people, and I have friends on both sides of the fence, so I had this huge party. And actually one of my gay male friends said, I am going to bring a drag queen to the party. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, he, and if Alan's listening, uh, he'll be laughing. But anyway, I said, okay, fine. Anyway, he brought one of the drag queens who does this impersonation of Cher and oh she yeah he she came to the party for about an hour and a half but he had a big show at, in, in later in the evening so he couldn't stay the whole time looked exactly like Cher really uh, gorgeous fun I love that kind of stuff oh and what a body I mean here I'm je- <laughs> all my 60 year old girlfriends were jealous this guy had this like fantastic body and I learned something I don't know if you know anything about uh, female impersonators? I don't know anything. But I'm not sure. I'm afraid what you're going to tell me. No. Tell me what I don't know. <laughs> is Sierra listening? Will no, she she's un- not listening. She's okay. watching Little People. She's All right. Fine. Good. This is, uh, no, this is, the, uh, this is just interesting because I, I said to him, I said, I mean, you have this fantastic body and, uh, you know, like these kind, you know, beautiful thighs and hips and stuff and probably um, six feet tall. And then he said, well, I am actually... I look just like a man. I'm very flat. I'm very slender. But what he has is one of those body costumes that, remember in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin uh-huh. Williams had yeah. A, yeah, although he was had a big, made him look like a big, fat, overweight. Um, yeah, they made him, yeah, he. I didn't realize that they could do that. I saw that on some show recently, that they could, there such things, but I didn't know there was a body costume. Well, there's a body costume for a beautiful body. So he had like probably maybe just a half an inch, a little bit of a layer on his thighs with the they're put on like stockings so that it made him have perfect legs oh my and perfect God. I mean I could use it perfect thighs, perfect hips. <laughs> it was there and he let me like touch it, right? I'm like pushing it and of course this beautiful makeup job. It was really fun. We had such a good time. 
And that, is, that sounds like a ton of fun. It was. It now, really I was. always have to ask, do, what do you call the per, those kinds of people, he's or she's? Well, he isn't. You can, whatever you, I share. <laughs> <laughs> he looks just like Cher. He looks better than Cher does now because Cher is 65 or whatever she exactly. is. Exactly. He's about 40. He looked dynamite. What a body. Uh, so, you know, in costume, she... Um, and then when they when he takes off his costume, we went. He looks more like you, he, yeah, exactly. So yeah, very interesting. But anyway, so he came to the party. We had, I mean, we were up all night. We had such a good time. It was so much fun. But one of the things about turning sixty, Lauren, is that you really. It's not that I do anything differently because I do a lot. You know me. I'm out there doing a lot of different kinds of things. But I think one of the things is it's it sort of it was like. Okay, you really have to be careful how you spend your time. Or not careful, but don't waste. Thoughtful. Thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, everyone should be thoughtful anyway, but it's It's like... like conscious. You should be conscious about how you're spending your time. That's a good word, conscious. For conscious of how you're spending your time. And maybe that begins even at 50. Be really, really conscious of what you're doing. I think it should begin at one. I do. I think that we need. I think think about twenty year olds. If they were more conscious, I think they'd ultimately have more fun, get in less trouble, and you know, just be thoughtful about. And I don't mean thoughtful like caring. I mean like conscious. You know, choosing to do what we want to do when we want to do it. I think you're right. The only problem with that is, and you're a you know, you're in the throes of motherhood. There are a lot of distractions, and sometimes I think at that age, there's more stuff happening to you that you don't have control of. Hence torrential range and the nanny doesn't show exactly, up yes. not your fault as i think you're you know you raise your children and then you get back to just you only have yourself and or your partner to deal with uh you have less distraction i mean you have more control over your life i mean maybe it you know it depends on what you're doing but you're not responsible for as many people as say when you're 20 to 40 or 20 right. to 50 um so that you really can be more clear and focused and conscious about what you're doing? I would agree with you, and I do think the older we get, the wiser we get, and that's, I think, a really important tidbit of wisdom, you know, of being thoughtful or conscious or however we want to say it, of how we choose to spend our time. How we choose to spend our time is probably the most important decision that we have to make. It's and true. I, Yeah, so I, uh, because I think... And no matter what age you are, people tend to forget that, and then all of a sudden they wake up and say, you know, like, where did the 10 years go? Exactly. Do you know what somebody at the party said to me, which (laughs) this was the only nasty little comment, or at least it made me feel bad, because they listened to the show, and, you know, the Voice America did this beautiful banner, you know, my banner, they call it the banner, that Uh says the Catherine Zock Show, and you have the headshot of me. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the men looked at it, and he said, oh, wow, what do they do to, like, change the picture? So you look great in this. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, is it Photoshop or whatever? And I thought, well, Airbrushed. Airbrushed. Yeah, come on. I look like that. Obviously, they do some Photoshopping stuff to it, digital photography, that kind of stuff. But that was the only Little little uh, little jab, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They always do that. But anyway, no, I said I look just like that. So exactly, you do look just like that. Yeah, and I I always vowed when I was uh, I remember at 15 years old I said I will never be fat in 50 and I will never be I didn't even say 60. Uh, So I weigh the same as I did when I as when I got married and I weigh the same as when I got divorced. Isn't that great? (laughs) Isn't that fabulous? That's a great that's a great goal and a great accomplishment. Yeah, I would say so. So I. I feel good about that, and well, last week we talked about our BMIs, but uh, <laughs> which, by the way, are perfect. So, which are perfect. We're perfect people. I love it. <laughs> and I want to see you. You're coming east, right? In uh, I am. September. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of weeks. Good. Great. Yeah, we're coming. I know you're having a, a get together, which I forgot. You know, a my little answer. gathering. Yes. And uh, I can come. You invited me, and Absolutely. Uh, my answer is yes. Uh, most people gave me for my birthday. What do you think the most popular gift was? Uh, well, I'm imagining since you only had one thing that made you feel bad that there was, they weren't like you know gifts that were you know trying to make you younger than you were those you know or make you old or you know what I no, mean. No, none of the spa stuff, none of that kind of stuff. Yeah. No. So what was the gift that they brought? You? The, well, you um, know, martini mixes. Well, you're close. Everybody, <laughs> uh, my brother's my brother got me this fantastic like a case of this fabulous wine. 
and then this other little tasting thing of uh, single malt scotches. I got champagne. Look at that. I'm right on. Yes, and I got alcohol. The, yeah, alcohol. What else? And my one of my son's girlfriends got this fabulous, um, beautiful, actually it was the container was lovely too, a cognac, which was very special. So that's what they get you when you turn 60. No, I got all those kinds of things. None of the spa. I don't need the spa stuff. I'm gorgeous. <laughs> but our, the next guest who's going to be on, she's actually my age, Sarah Paretsky, and uh, she has written the book Writing in the Age of Silence. has a lot of the same kinds of issues that the baby boomers my age have. And uh, then Dr. Alberta Kadu, Smile, It Can Help Save a Child. She's a dentist, all about dental care. So this is something you have to listen to because... I don't know, like, when do you start dental care? I forgot. They with, say little, like one and two and three. Or, so you have, know. You, have you done that with... No, we brush our yeah. teeth, though, every day. And, if you um, have teeth, how many teeth? Oh, she's got a whole mouthful. So she, at eight, 18 months? Yeah, whole mouthful. All right, so you have to start dental care. You brush your teeth, but you don't go to the dentist yet, or do you? You could, but I haven't yet because she's, you know, when she gets a little better about opening your mouth so I can see your teeth, then I'd take her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Right now she shows me your tongue. And then if you put your finger in there, she, she bites, bites it. She bites it off. I know. I remember that. Like, And it's brutal, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is all about children, though, uh, smiling kids and getting them to the dentist. And apparently, I guess it's a real problem. We don't do that in this country. We somehow think that dental care isn't as important as going to the pediatrician, for instance. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Uh-huh. I love the dentist. People are going to think I'm crazy. I love going to the dentist. Why? I just love having my teeth cleaned. I hate, oh, I see, I, I don't like going to the dentist. I sometimes put on headphones, you know, they play music so that it distracts you. And oh, you really? Yeah. yeah. No, I have, I don't, I like it. I do have a really, I have two cavities in my whole mouth at 41, so that's pretty good. So oh. I haven't had bad experiences. You know, I've only had cleaning experiences, really. So you've only had good experiences. No, yeah. I have to tell Dr. Alberta Cato that I have had, I think when I was a teenager, 16 cavities at one time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No wonder you don't like the dentist. Yeah, so that was, like, not a good experience, but those were the days where you were eating sugar and all those kinds of things, and they didn't have, uh, what's the stuff they put on your teeth to prevent you from getting tooth decay? Um, fluoride. Fluoride, yeah. So I, they were just beginning those fluoride treatments, although different people have different kinds of teeth also. Some are hard, some are exactly, soft. Exactly, yeah, More true. prone getting decay. Anyway, well, we'll let the, the doctor talk about that, but, cause, but first is going to be Sarah Paretsky. And uh, we have one minute left, so we're going to take a short break. I'm Catherine Zox, and you've been listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Deller on VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Women. With you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now, Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. 
Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back to the Catherine Zock Show on VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Women. Joining me this morning, Sarah Paretsky, author of Writing in an Age of Silence, which describes her personal and political coming of age during the civil rights movement, the peace movement, and the women's movement, a time of, as we all know, great possibility in America. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Sarah. Hi, Catherine. Good to be here. Well, we are we are of the same age, and as I was reading your book and the description of the book, uh, I have struggled with some of the very same issues that you have struggled with. I just had my 60th birthday. I don't know if you were listening to the show earlier, but uh, so I think we are the same age. Yes, we are. Yeah. And so I identified with all of those issues that you were talking about, even to the fact that what you had four brothers. I had two brothers, grew up in a family of men um, and everyone was always trying to silence me she talks too much she's always talking to her girlfriends you know have to to keep her quiet Um, so but let's talk about your book okay Uh, writing in an age of silence what was you know let's um, talk about um, how you how you came actually the process in terms of how you came about and decided to to write this book in the first place you know just stepping back a minute to to our shared experience, this has been one of the real uh, bonuses for me of, of this book is I have heard from more readers than I have for any of my uh, detective novels from people who really who grew up in the 50s, some in the 60s, had that experience of, of this is not, a, uh, girls do not occupy public space. They are there to serve, they're there to take care of the family, and they are not there to, to occupy public space. And so many women shared this experience. I don't know whether it's, it cheered me up or depressed me. <laughs> well, it, we've done something about it, obviously, which you point out in the book. I mean, we were the 60s generation and uh we refused to be silent so we <laughs> so we had um we had some good fortune on our side i think and we also had we came of age in a time of tremendous energy and as you said a sense of possibility for for change i uh specifically as a writer i would say i i grew up in a family that read a lot wrote a lot everybody read and wrote I wrote very privately. I never imagined that I would be writing for publication. I was on a supposed to be on a trajectory to be a stay-at-home mom because that was what everyone around me was doing unless they taught school. My parents sent me to secretarial school so that I'd be able to support myself until Mr. Wright came along. I, I refused to learn how to type, but you know what? Oh, you came, were so much more advanced but, than but I But I was. wasn't because Sarah, it came, you know, it kind of has bitten me in the, we're in the, I don't know where, <laughs> because now I can't do word processing on the computer. So, you know what? It wasn't such a good idea. I should have learned how to type. But, uh, you know, you grew up in a Jewish family in the Midwest. I grew up in a Jewish family in Maine. So mm. a lot of had to be just as isolated as, 
or was there a large Jewish community? Well, there was a community, but it was also that kind of be silent, don't be too ethnic, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But a very intellectual family. Father was a lawyer, and your father was a uh, he was a professor of he was a science professor, science professor. So you, I mean, that's I think that's an advantage, don't you think? That the fact that you you had all of this kind of intellectual stimulation around you and you know, oh, I think so. It, it's um, we, my father was the first Jew hired in a tenure track position at the University of Kansas, and um, our arrival in town meant that there were enough Jewish males to hold Friday night services. So he was the tenth, the tenth male Jew in Lawrence, Kansas. And and I've been to Lawrence, Kansas, Ames, Iowa, ex-husband, was which is a, where I was born. Yeah, I, I know that. And I, oh. and my ex-husband was uh, born in Des Moines, Iowa. So that all that was very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, one of the things because we're talking all right, writing in an age of silence. I keep going back to the title of the book, but one of the things you point out, two things I think that really resonated with me: your father's fear of female sexuality, which I think was very you know very pervasive, very common at that particular time, and your mother who. Tell us about her because she also, she got into medical school and then just didn't go and her decision or her choice really affected you, I guess, later on in terms of how she viewed you and your successes. My mother was such a complicated woman that I I think about her, I talk about her, I cannot ever really understand her. She was um, a very creative woman herself, wrote well was a gifted storyteller she drew she was an amateur actress um and she her father had been the doctor in a small town in downstate illinois he died when she was 16 and she always imagined that she would follow in his footsteps she got accepted to medical school in 1940 when it was really rare almost impossible for women to get into medical school And then she didn't go, and I don't know whether it was fear of failure, whether it was a sense that that wasn't really her niche, or, you know, I have no idea, but she she turned her back on it. She would not get on the bus to go the 50 miles from her home to the University of Illinois where, uh, where she had been accepted as a student. And then her whole, the whole rest of her life, she felt very, ambivalent and really in a way bitter towards towards women who were successful in a public sphere and it i always had the sense that that she really wanted me to fail that she didn't that if i failed it was proof that she'd been defeated by the system rather than than that she'd done it to herself um, i think Sarah, that that is a and it, i i Sort of a pervasive attitude, I think, of a lot of women of that generation. Uh, maybe you know there are unique st- circumstances, but kind of feeling like they didn't have the opportunity. So there's always that clash with their daughters of our generation of the '60s. Like, I do want you su- to succeed, but on the other hand, I really don't want you to succeed because um, because I didn't, I couldn't, or I didn't have the opportunity. I don't know. That's a that's a, and I I just sort of recently came with. To terms with that, I think with my own mother, because I always mm. thought it was my father who was the one who was the male chauvinist, and he was the one who, you know, women were less than or second-class citizens. But I'm not so sure that's the case. Yes, these family dynamics—they're very hard to sort out, aren't they? Who's who? Who's doing what to whom? Whom? Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's a process. What you think at one stage of your life may be very different as you go through your own stages, like. You know how I see my family at sixty is very different than how I saw my family at forty. Yes, that's 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 really true. And I never had a daughter of my own, so I never had a chance to. to Neither well, did I. Do you have sons? Sort, I have three stepsons, and I have one granddaughter. But that's a very different kettle of fish. I mean, this the kid is kind of the apple of my eye, and <laughs> there's nothing is too good for her, and I want her to have every opportunity and. 
But you're one generation removed, so it is different. Exactly, exactly. That's very different. I have two sons, so I've never, you know, and I I get closer and closer to my mother, who's now 84, my father's deceased, but always in that sea or surrounded by men. So that's why I was so fascinated with with your book. Um, Yes, and then here I am with three stepsons, the only other female in the... they're all grown and gone, but the only other female in our household was the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have any animals. But, uh, <laughs> took care of too many kids and, you know, can't take care of the animals now. I need to be, have a little more freedom. But, okay, yeah, now let's just kind of, you know, we've gotten real personal, but I, I want to get to some of the dominant themes in the book, uh, you know, that... Uh, you talk about your effort to understand or come to terms with the questions of power and powerlessness. I think that's one of the themes of the book. Yes, Catherine, for me, issues of, excuse me, of who gets to speak, who gets to make the decisions, who has an active role in in the determining the course of their own life, this to me is is at the heart of everything that really matters to me. And I'm sure it has to do with my own sense of, of being shunted to one side and being told essentially in my household my job was to look after the small children and do the housework and, and do the baking. And um, I still have such a visceral reaction to any situation in which in which any person is being told that what they who they are as a person doesn't count. So in the the course of sort of the 40 years of my adulthood, um, starting from when I came to Chicago at the age of 19 to do community service work in the city, the things that have really mattered to me have have been those those issues of power and powerlessness, voice and voicelessness. Um, those... It, yeah. Those are the things, as I look back over the body of my work, I see those as the themes that really underlie my detective novels as well as the standalone novels and essays that I write. And I think, Sarah, it underlines our generation of women. I really do. The, the women, of the baby boomers of our the cohort, our cohort from, say, 55 to 60, um, and I think that that's one of the major issues. And I think, as you say, always struggling with it. You know, if I ever feel that someone is trying to dismiss me, uh, it's, it, that issue pops up, you know, whether it's my partner, my boyfriend, um, and I'm always struggling with that issue. And I think that this is just a very common thread that goes through our generation. Well, it, it we have one minute me, left. I can keep... oh, yeah. Go ahead. It bothers me that, that the next generation isn't as troubled by it you know, in the recent Supreme Court decision on so-called partial birth abortions, whatever your feeling is about abortion, when when Justice Kennedy says that there is no concern for the health of the pregnant woman, that the only concern of the court is is for the fetus, I think every woman in America should jump up and want to know why their health is unimportant. I agree with you, but I think this generation has gotten complacent. They don't understand. They don't have a sense of history, of our history. They need to read your book. (laughs) (laughs) So with the music taking us out, I've got to have you on the show again because we've got lots more to talk about. Writing in an Age of Silence, Sarah Paretsky. You can get it online, bookstores everywhere, and Amazon.com. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. 
Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women, voiceamericawomen.com with Lauren Bella. So, Lauren, what did you think about I think she's, you're right, she needs to be back on the show. Yeah, I do too. It was too short an interview. She needs to come back because we really didn't finish. But the issue in her book, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's something, and you can, you know, answer the question, but it's something that's really prevalent in our, my generation of women, this sort of the older age, the older end of the baby boomers, that feeling that, you know, we've achieved all this this equality and, and and gotten away from that sense of powerlessness, but um, we're kind of letting it slip through our fingers. I don't know if you you, you observe that or you see it. That's or interesting. I was listening and I'm thinking I, I see it differently. I think, and not that it's. Um, I think we there's almost. I always believe that when we want power, we need take we need to also take responsibility. So I see that often that we want power as um, women and where's our responsibility. And I think that we can be very responsible when we want. It's, we need both ends. They're like bookends. We do need to take responsibility, but I think what happens is that women, especially of the, let's say, under 50s, get complacent about uh, the, the, the powers or the, the protections that they have, as she mentioned uh, even you know the pro-choice movement, but and so they get soft and then don't realize that if you don't, if you're not attentive and you don't take responsibility, you are not going to have that those that power anymore. That's exactly right. And yeah. So it's about maintaining it and um, standing firmly in it. I mean, we have. It's there, and it's, I have a client who works day in and day out on the pro-choice movement, and because and she says it's harder now than ever, you know, because they're just fighting again like they did 20 years ago. Yeah. Very interesting. It is, and it's it's like it's it's uh, as you said, fighting again as we did twenty years ago. I mean, we're still kind of repeating the same stuff over and over. Well, if you watch the news; those same issues are coming back around. Yeah, exactly, and but we do have to pay attention to it. And I think, uh, uh, well, yeah, you have to. Sarah's book has been. I mean, I I identified so much with it because she did grow up in one of the very similar kind of family, ethnic, small town, brothers you know, dominated by sort of this male kind of persona in the family, which is very different than how you you grew up in a female-dominated family. Yeah, more females. Yeah, yeah. there was three three women, and the dog was even a female. So my <laughs> poor, you know what, Rob feels my husband is in the same situation, all girls, even the dog, and um, him. Yeah, he so always, we, he we, says we need a male dog. But, um, you know, I was going to say something. I think that when... We have made huge, huge movements around our response, or our power as women. I think we tend to think, this is my generation I'm speaking for now, and it may not be true, obviously I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think that we take it for granted, think that once it's here, it won't go away, like, you know, choice around um, pregnancy. You know, it's, I think we think that it won't go away, and all of a sudden, if we don't stand firmly for it regularly, it does go away. Yeah. 
at, so I at think that's point. the point. Yes. I think we just get complacent thinking that, I mean, I think I was probably of that mind, that, well, we already made that decision. Can we move on? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's that, a great segue into our next guest because we have our uh, doctor on dentist, Dr. Alberta Kadu. hope I'm pronouncing it right. She's here to talk to us about uh, a national campaign to promote the importance of oral health and raise money for Save the Children. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Thanks for having me. Yes, and you are the founder of Tender Touch Dental Center in Bellevue, Washington. That's right. And you have a, I want to just give all your credentials. You created an e-zine, a newsletter called Nouveau Smile, so you are the expert. All right, so tell us about this campaign to uh, about oral health and raising money for Save the Children. Yeah. Uh, what's the focus? What's the goal? Yes, um, this summer I'm partnered up with Trident Gum and Save the Children. What we're doing is we're going around the country and um, building awareness about the importance of oral health and also um, the benefits of having a happy, healthy smile. And as part of that, we're communicating um, the ben- uh, the benefits of healthy daily habits such as brushing, flossing, and chewing sugarless gum between meals such as Trident and um, hopefully um, help put smiles on millions of children across the country in the process. Well, it sounds like a great goal. Uh, maybe we should backtrack a little because, um, as I understand it, Doctor, 50% of the, just the general population avoid going to the dentist on a regular basis unless it's really crucial or they're in excruciating pain, but they don't seem to go to the dentist on a regular basis like they would go to the pediatrician or the internist. Why is that? Well, um, that's a very real issue. In my experience, um, people don't go unless they're having pain or having a problem. And the thing about it is people um, um, need to understand that the, the mouth is indeed the gateway to the body, and a healthy mouth makes for a healthy body and makes for greater feelings of well-being. And so that's why this Pass Along a Small program is, is wonderful in that it will help build increased awareness and help people understand that, you know, um, uh, it's, it's a very important issue. And um, just doing those daily habits, seeing a dentist regularly and following treatment protocol are all some of the things a person can do. And as part of this Pass Along a Smile campaign, um, there are street teams going around major cities, capturing smiles of people and uploading them to Trident's website. Um, and that website is tridentgum.com, and people can download these images and send them to family and friends, and in the process, educate themselves more about the importance of oral health, and um, also learn about the, the work that Trident is doing with Save the Children. Well, uh, the importance of oral health, and I, I, I want to stick to that for a minute, because I don't think people understand the correlation between having healthy teeth and healthy gums, how that affects the rest of your body if, if they're not healthy. For instance, I, and I don't know if these are new studies, but uh, I, I read one study that uh, indicated that uh, if you have poor oral health, that may be related to heart disease, pneumonia, ulcers, those kinds of things. Yes, yes. There's the, the mouth houses and harbors a lot of bacteria. And so if this bacteria is left to accumulate unchecked, it can travel to other parts of the body and create degenerative processes. And lots of studies have linked gum disease with heart disease um, um, in exacerbation of diabetes and a host of other ailments. So that's why... Um, oral health is so important, and that's why this this Pass Along a Smile um, program will help educate people um, and hopefully get people to um, get motivated. Get you know? motivated, and yes. you're so right, Dr. Cato, because it's not just related to, as you've you know, pointed out, our oral health, healthy gums and teeth related to also heart disease yes. and a lot of other diseases, but it's also related to our mental health and psychological health. If you have... You know, feeling good about yourself, self-expression, self-esteem, all those kinds of things. Yes, yes. In a recent poll that surveyed about, a recent survey that polled about um, a thousand adults, 70% of those people agreed that a smile boosts their self-confidence. And um, smiling um, boosts self-esteem not only to the person smiling, but also to the people around. So it's a simple, effective way to communicate feelings of well-being 
and um, certainly anything you can do to um, make you more confident in smiling is very helpful. That's why this program is so wonderful and will help bring awareness and help get people motivated. And you're described as a smile coach. I never knew a smile coach <laughs> existed. <laughs> well, what I do, um, I work as a smile coach. I not only um, educate people about the importance of oral health and do the cosmetic enhancements, I'm also looking at some of the habits and um, some of the attitudes and and um, belief systems that invariably come into play and uh, prevent people from seeing a dentist and even after seeing a dentist help um, prevent them from maintaining their oral health and their smile. So I'm kind of looking at it from a total approach and making sure that people are addressing all the things that can get in the way. So you look at the total gestalt of the person, the yes. whole being, the whole yes. persona. Yes. Now tell me, Doctor, though, I, this is a question that I, I've, I've wrestled with a lot because, I mean, I don't have dental health insurance. It's very difficult to get that. Now doesn't that say something about the attitude that society has towards Yes. good oral health that you can't get dental insurance or it's so costly that most yes. people don't get it? Yes. The three things that plague um, or prevent people from seeing the dentist are the costs, um, the um, the time involved, and certainly fear. And uh, there's lots of resources out there. The American Dental Association has a lot of resources for people that um, want to know more about what alternatives there are and what options they have if they don't have health ins um, dental insurance. And so there are, in fact, programs out there, and you can um, certainly um, find out some more about that. And also, let's talk about some of the specific uh, websites or where people can go for information, yes. uh, like the Path Along a Smile, yes. um, the Smile Squad, all those things that we mentioned, and listeners want to go to a website to get more information about yes. it, where do they go? Yes. TridentGum.com is the website people can go and they can download smiles and send smiles to friends and family and learn about the wonderful work that Trident is doing with Save the Children. All right, yeah, Save the Children. Spend a, a minute or two and tell us about that program. How does the monies get to them? Yes, um, um, Trident is supporting Save the Children, and information about that can be found at the website, and that's TridentGum.com. All right, it's it, tridentgum.com. Yeah, and if anybody has running for their pencil and they don't get it, they can call into the show and we will give them more information. Well, uh, great having you on the show today and Thank you. good luck with the program. Is there anything, uh, you know, we're in the uh, New York area. Any specific uh, smile squads here in the New York City area? I'm sorry, I think we're out of time now. All right, we have to say goodbye. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women will be back in a minute, Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio, Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of Youthful Aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and welcome welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, with Dr. Norm Shealy. And discover for yourself the secret of the fountain. Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. 
with wellness, where beauty meets health, with Dr. Vidushi Babur, is a place where women can share their health and beauty tips and learn that wellness means having a positive self-image. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back to Voice America Women. With uh, Joining me is Lauren Bella. So, Lauren, what did you think, Dr. Cato, getting that good smile so that you'll be healthy and not just physically, but emotionally, good self-esteem. I think that's very true. It's so true. Yeah. It's, it, it's such a, you know, it's funny. People say that, I don't, I don't think I heard her say this, that the biggest cosmetic change people are doing these days is whitening of the teeth. And I have yellow teeth. <laughs> my teeth are really bad. My boys say to me, Ma, why don't you do something about it? And I didn't ask the doctor. That, I'm glad you brought that up because you know what? No, my teeth aren't yellow, but they could be whiter. I have that fear that if you start whitening your teeth, you're going to get rid of the enamel and then your teeth will be more sensitive. But I, I, is that true or I not? I don't know if it's true. That would have been a good question for her. But, you know, I, have, I do it here and there, but I don't. there's some people that are so addicted to it. And it's interesting. I like to think I love her thought about the gateway to the rest of your health you know it all starts there it's true but what happens i think with the whitening thing i think there's degrees of it like on a scale i I had seen this dentist once on some television show and and they they mentioned that or she mentioned the dentist that it sort of goes from on a scale of one to ten like you can brush your teeth with whitening toothpaste and that's just very basic but then you can go all the way up to I don't know laser stuff or whatever it is, and then sometimes you can get you know how the people have white teeth it kind of like glows like in the too dark. White. Yeah, too white. <laughs> it's like too much. Yeah, it's like that's the ten that you're talking about. That's the ten. And Lauren, you know, if you have wrinkled skin and white teeth, I mean, it's not a good combination. No, it's not. I agree with you. And you can so tell that the people that are doing it and doing it like overboard. I where did I where was I? Um, oh no! I saw it on <laughs> I saw it on TV. This woman was talking about how she was addicted to whitening her teeth, and she was doing it herself twice a day for thirty minutes a day. And I'm thinking, oh my! And she does it every day. That's her. She's addicted to it. She can't, thinks they can't get white enough. Yeah. So she was obsessed with her white teeth. Yeah. It yeah. has to have a balance, and it has to go with. I think with what your skin looks like and what your hair looks like, and it, it's part you know, of the whole image. Yeah, it's part of the whole image. Otherwise, it looks ri- ridiculous. But but um, I do think it's you know if you look at any, it's funny because um, I need to, I haven't been able to find a dentist here yet, and um, so I haven't been. So I, and I used to go every six months without fail. So it's time for me to find a dentist here. But so she inspired me. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do that by the end of the day tomorrow. I'm going to book an appointment. Good. Yeah. I hope she inspired other people to, real important to do that. Really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I always loved my dentist where I was. And I I always think it's important for them to be so gentle with your mouth because you don't want to walk out with a sore mouth. You know, there's so many dentists are an important part of our health our you know our caretaking team and they also there is an art to it because i've had other i have a fabulous dentist here in new york and he has this he is so good with his hands yeah he really you're right nothing ever hurts he's very deft I yeah guess, it's like it's yeah. like a surgeon's hands versus yeah, yeah. Versus a mechanic. Exactly. <laughs> so it's real important. And now they have children. What do you think about this? Children's dentists. Now, this is a whole issue. You and I, like, instead of taking your daughter or son or baby to a, just a regular dentist, a general dentist, now they have dentists who specialize in children's dentistry. There's, thing, there's something to this, and I wouldn't have known, understood it until now that I have a child. But, um, and I know people actually in New York that are they're pediatric, they're children's dentists. Pediatric dentists. Pediatric dentists. And, um, and sorry, I got distracted by my cell phone that rang right next to me. <laughs> anyway. You've got, the, um, you've got your multitasking. I'm not the really. Baby, just, you've got the cell phone. No, no, no. I have the nanny came a long time ago. We're fine. Um, anyway, the reason I think it's such a great specialty is because 
they know how to distract them or entertain them while they're doing it. So I think that there's a whole art to, you know, art or it's an entertainment type situation where a regular dentist who works on adults all day long is has a very different task at hand than just working on a child, you know, than working on a child's mouth. See, I have another take on that, and maybe it's just old-fashioned, but I sort of feel like there's so much stuff that, and the word coddle, you know, you're just always coddling the kids, like you don't want them to feel bad or sad or even afraid. And so, you know, you, that you take them to the dentist and all has to be this fabulous experience. Maybe sometimes kids could have not such a great experience, but in the context of having your parent there, somebody who supports you and loves you and helps you to get through it. I mean, it seems to me that's all, that, that's how I felt about it. So I never took my kids, because we had it then also. I never took them to a pediatric dentist. I always took them to the... I don't think there was such a thing then, was there? Yes, there was. Was there? Yeah, oh, yeah. I never went to a pediatric dentist. We were, went to a family dentist, and we used to drive three hours, because we moved from Long Island, New York, to Albany, New York, and my father did not want to change dentists, because he loved our dentist so much. So we would drive every six months, three hours, so that all four of us could go have our teeth cleaned. Just to get your teeth cleaned? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Is that dentist still around? I have no idea. Over the years, we left that dentist and found another one in Albany that we started to see. But we did that for 10 years, probably. That's amazing. That's loyalty. <laughs> that's real loyalty. But see, that was, okay, That so that was, but that, my kids, the 80s, that was like the middle and the late 80s, they did have pediatric dentistry, and I never did it. I, for that reason, I, you know, and even I had a friend, this is another thing, who always went in with her, and we're not talking about baby, let's say seven, eight, nine-year-old, went in with the child, her child, when the, when when they got a cleaning, let's say, to, so she wouldn't be afraid. I let them go in by themselves. I, I think I, I'm... I think promoting it promotes a certain kind of independence. I don't yeah, know. I think just, you're right. Yeah, and who knows? But I've I just always felt strongly about it. And we have to say goodbye. Um, well, they can't silence me. We got to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have a great week. Uh, you too. Because, and uh, next time, tell the nanny. You know, if it rains, I mean, just get in the car a little bit earlier. That's easy to do, right? You know, I've we've. Discuss that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Okay, that's another topic. A whole other topic. Yeah, we can get into that. Anyway, all right. Have a great week. And and actually, I'll see you. Yeah, I'm going to see you at your party. I look forward to it. Yeah, see you in September. All righty. We'll talk next week. Uh, You've been listening to Lauren Deller, Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women, have a great day, and I'll see you next week.